morning, Tamin. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm not too bad. We haven't seen each other for about six months. More? Christmas? It was Christmas. It was Christmas when you came to the office. And I lavished you with gifts. You did. Well, we're obviously just going to go through a little bit about the his your history, the company, how you've dealt with everything that's been going on, um, so everyone out there can learn a little bit about IDHL Group. But just sort of starting with you, um, obviously you did a degree in events management um, and started your career, I think, in events management initially. How did that morph from a degree to, like I say, your first role in employment to a career in recruitment? Um, well, I think that that is just the nature of the hospitality industry not paying very much, to be honest. Um, yeah, so I worked in London and then when I finished my degree, I worked in Leeds again in events in hotels and it was very long hours and for not very much money. And I kind of felt that for me that that wasn't going to be ideal. So I went to Hayes. They were, they were my first employer in recruitment. So I did a couple of years with them in the marketing department and back then it was it was only just starting to get into like digital marketing. So the roles that I covered were more digital marketing than anything. Mm -hmm. And I did a lot of roles that were kind of um, like transformation roles for public sectors. So when public sector were trying to get more into digital, they would recruit quite a lot of temps into like universities and things like that. And they would be kind of getting up their, their web, updating their website. It was all changing at that time to become more online. So that's what I was looking after when I went to Hayes. I did leave Hayes and I went to briefly work for a finance recruiter just before the crash, the financial crash. Um, that's not a was, LinkedIn profile. No, because I wasn't there for very long. And uh, <laughs> I've, I've, I've just put it out. Um, and that's where I met Dennis Engel, who's the CEO of IDHL. So he was at the time looking for a maternity cover for our finance director, Lisa Hyam, who is now my line manager. Um, so yeah, we were looking for a, for a maternity cover for her. And that's when I met Dennis. And then the financial crash happened and anybody who hadn't been with the business, you know, I think I'd only been there three months or something like that. Everybody got let go. So I then contacted Dennis because it was a bit more in line with what I'd been doing at Hayes and he was just somebody that I found really inspiring and very passionate about what he was doing and at the time with it being the financial crash I, I felt that going into something that was digital was going to be a lot safer and I did want to get out of recruitment at that time because I knew it wasn't something that I wanted to do for the long term in the way that I was doing it um, for a larger agency. What time um, was this, Harry? When was this? What year? It was 12 years ago. Well, it'll be 12 years ago in September. So it was 2008. 12 years. Uh, yeah, 2008. So um, that was when that fin yeah, the financial crash really hit. Um, and it's kind of strange going through COVID now because there are some similarities to what happened then in terms of how it impacted. Um, but it, you know, I think COVID's still got a little way to run to find out what the actual impact is going to be. Yeah. But I remember at the time being made redundant and being in my early twenties and having just bought a house, it felt a very uncomfortable place to be. And I yeah. think choosing an industry that I I felt had longevity and, um, you know, it, it definitely had people within that business that were really passionate about what they were doing. Okay. Um, 
So that's why I made the move back then to work for what was back then a web marketing group and to work for Dennis. So were you straight into a talent acquisition role? Was that purely the role 12 years ago? No, not at all, not at all. So when I started for the web marketing group, they didn't have, they didn't have like a, a CRM. So they would, they would contact businesses based on what they were advertising on Google. And they kept a lot of it on paper and they didn't have any kind of online, um, online database. So when I hired, I was brought in to kind of sort out like email marketing and creating a database. So that was what I initially started off doing. And then quite quickly, I did get involved with our sales recruitment. So I was very much involved in like sales operations, anything that was kind of supporting lead generation. But I wasn't doing any kind of cold calling. So it was all office based. Um, So I worked really closely with Dennis and I worked really closely with Julie, who's our sales ops director now. Um, to yeah, to build leads really and get sales in and yeah, build business that way. So, so give, definitely give a number of roles there. Yeah, give, give us an idea of if you can give us a potted twelve-year history of, of the group. Um, obviously, you said you joined WMG, and I know I mean done done some work with you guys that it's a much different group now and a much different company now than it was twelve years ago. So, how has it morphed yeah. from from two thousand and eight to now? Oh, massively. So. When I joined, we were selling a product called a Web Instant Trafficker, which was something that I think we sold to smaller businesses. And I want to say that the price point was like 50 pounds, 100 pounds, 150 pounds a month, something like that. Um, and we, you know, we would sell to businesses that needed to be found on Google. And the thing with that whole industry in Google is it, it changes so much. So the, you know, the regulations and things that you need to do to be found on found online that has changed so much in that time that in the first couple of years of working for the group there was loads of changes um, Google did certain updates which impacted massively on what businesses like ours were doing and we had to change in accordance with that and kind of pivot to make sure that we were doing the right thing for our client and back then this industry was quite um, ooh, it was it was quite spammy really so you would find that people would link bills mainly in India or Russia or in other countries and you'd find that um, websites had really unnatural link profiles and I'm I'm struggling to remember the exact year that it really kicked off but a lot of websites got penalised by Google and they lost their rankings overnight so agencies like ours started to do remedial work Um, and at that point they needed a lot more support and the prices went up. So I think that was a real turning point for us in terms of our price point and what we offered our clients. And we'd always been very analytical and we had a lot of in-house systems that supported what we were doing. And we were constantly, you know, developing those um, and that, that software and making them better and looking at how we could understand the analytics behind the, um, the updates really. So we, we did really well at getting a lot of our clients out of, you know, penalized state from Google, if you like. And that kind of strengthened our client base. And then from that point forward, we started to increase prices and then look at the customers that we worked with. Um, So when we've kind of gone from working with quite small SMEs, we then changed the customer profiling to businesses that had a marketing budget and that they wanted to invest in them in a different way. So I'd say that changed probably significantly, maybe about eight or nine years ago. Um, and I think around that time we brought on another brand which was Ingenuity Digital. So 
the group name IDHL Group stands for Ingenuity Digital Holdings Limited. Right. Okay. Um, so the ID brand was something that we um, brought online for like a London offering and for a different client base, if you like. So WMG, which, which is the web marketing group is shortened to WMG now. They right. had quite a lot of clients in certain certain industries and we wanted to target different industries. So they are quite different even now in terms of the clients that they've got in those two businesses. So um, ID is a bit more like luxury fashion and luxury retail and travel and WMG has been more Forex and um, consumables and different types of products, more kind of household items, if you like. So they've got different client bases and I think having an office in London was quite good for just having a different demographic. Um, and then we acquired Net Construct and I'm much better at remembering different businesses dependent on when I had a child. So I remember when we acquired Net Construct, I was pregnant with my oldest child who is now seven. So it was about eight years ago that we acquired Netconstruct. Um, and that was the first acquisition that we made in the group, which was an, a business that was quite different to ours. Right. Um, and they had been around for a really long time. And so Netconstruct, they're a .NET development agency based in Weatherby. Um, and they were typically working on yeah, .NET websites. They weren't, they weren't too big, really. Um, and I think at the time, we. We wanted to grow the group. We wanted to have another another kind of string to our bone, something that would support what we were doing from an SEO perspective. But NetConstruct typically, their clients are not retailers, so they don't always need SEO services. We do have clients that work with NetConstruct and then work with one of the other search brands. Um, but typically they're quite big websites now, so things like building societies, membership associations, anything with a complex back office system that needs like lots of forms filling out that kind of thing that's what NetConstruct have done very very well for a long period of time and they've got they've got a really good reputation within that industry for doing a really good job um, so they're not design led they're more functionality led um, like I said they've, they've been around for a really long time and they've got a really good name for themselves um, but typically they weren't they weren't um, they weren't their clients weren't the same as the clients of the search division. Right. So when we acquired the other businesses into the group, so, you know, fast forward, I want to say that Pinpoint have been with us nearly three years. I think it'll be three years in October. Um, so when we acquired Pinpoint to the group, that was with a view that their clients were very much retail focused and they would have more affinity with the search brands and that we, you know, we could do a lot more kind of cross-sell and, and that kind of thing. So Pinpoint are based in Leeds and they're a specific Magento agency, the Magento, so they don't work on any other CMS. They might have certain things that like plugins that they work on, but majority of the time it's just Magento that they, they focus on. Um, and then we acquired Statement two years ago now. Yeah, it's coming up to just two years and they are purely a, a Shopify agency. Um, and again, it was, they are very much retail focused and offer something else to our clients. Um, and what you find with those two agencies, when a client looks for a new website, if they're a retailer, they're generally gonna consider both of those platforms. So they would look at um, Shopify and they would also look at Magento and it was based, it'll be based on what their requirements are and what their customer journeys are and 
and how much development work they will need will determine which platform that they work on. So having both of those agencies work on those two particular platforms, they really do go quite hand in hand um, because are these are the are the various um, companies within the group working completely separate from each other? Is there a collaboration, um, or are they completely independent from each other? Um, they're very support. Well, they they do work together, um, but they are also quite separate. Um, I know that when other agencies do have they acquire businesses, quite often what they'll do is they'll rebrand them as their own and like bring them in internally. They all work. You know, alongside one another, but our agencies are all quite, um, like I mentioned earlier, they're specialists and they have their own have their own identity. And the people that work with those within those agencies, um, they kind of suit the personality of the agency as well. It's it's a case of I, when you're looking at it from a hiring perspective. Generally, when I meet people. I'll be like, oh, that's a that's a statement person, or that might be a that might be a pinpoint person because they are quite different in the way that they do things. They're very they're very aligned in the fact that we are quite a commercial business and we're very target um, orientated for our clients as well as ourselves internally. But yeah, the personalities of the businesses are just slightly different, um, and I think that's a good thing because it becomes complementary, and we don't really want a one size fits all. For our clients, it's important that when we deliver something, it's going to work for them. And they'll probably find an affinity to the agency that they're working with. Um, Pinpoint are very back-end focused, whereas Statement are very front-end focused. So they offer quite different products and they do different things. And you find that the people that work within those agencies are slightly different. You know yourself when you're working with developers. Um, you tend to find back-end developers quite different to front-end developers. and They've, they've got different characteristics and we are ultimately across the board a people-centric business so everything that we do we deliver via a person um, and so it's so important that we get the people within those agencies and those environments to be kind of harmonized if you like they need to be a team and they need to work together so it's kind of finding people that um, yeah, fit within each agency. So they are, coming back to your question, they are all separate, but they very much work together. So you'll find that the web agencies might work more with search because they've got joint clients. So someone who is working with WMG could be working with Pinpoint, or someone who's working with Statement could be working with WMG or Internet Digital or Equation, the paid media brand that we've got. I was going to say, um, it's one last acquisition I've had no, I haven't I haven't covered Equation. So Equation's the paid media section of the search division. Well, yeah. So we've got natural search and paid search and Equation deal with all like paid media, CRO, um, anything along those lines. And then we've got Wired Plus. That was the latest acquisition that we made. And that was back last year and their marketing automation. So email marketing primarily. Right. Um, and that again will support what we're doing with clients within the group. And so you could have yeah client that's working with pinpoint that's working with wires that's working with wmg it sounds really complicated trying to explain it like this and to me it makes absolute sense because i know it um, inside and out but um yeah i mean ultimately as a group of agencies we collectively offer a number of services and then based on what the client's requirements are we would make sure that they're dealt with 
yeah. by the right people. But if you were working uh, with WMG on your SEO, well, you mentioned obviously the twelve years, and you've given us the part of history of the twelve years from a, a recruitment point of view. You're in an industry, as I am, that's synonymous with work here two years, move on, work here three years, move on. And yet you've been there for, as you say, 12 years. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that, you know, you stayed for 12 years and I'm sure you'll stay for another 12. What is it about the company uh, and your role within it that, that's, that's made you sort of stick with it for so long? I think that's a really simple question to answer. Um, oh, it's definitely people that I work with. Um, so a lot of the people who I work with now are still the people that I joined 12 years ago. Wow. And we don't have, we haven't had a, a large turnover of staff at all, especially within senior roles. We do hire into senior roles now as we're growing and we're expanding and we look for you know like-minded individuals, but still I feel like there's definitely that core group of individuals that have been there you know, for a long time. Yeah. And you know they've got really great energy and they're inspiring people and you want to work for them and you want to work with them and you know they're dedicated to what they're doing but yeah i mean you don't stay somewhere very long if you don't like if you don't like the people um and i think it it, it definitely stems from that so doing the job that i do i feel like it's really important that I only bring people into the group that I would want to work with and that I'm not, you know, um, I'm supporting them in a way that they get the best person and the best fit for their teams because ideally I can see how much more we get from, from individuals and how much more they get from us the longer they stay with us because we're really big on training and development and developing people. So the longer you stay, the more you're going to get from that position. So getting the right person in the beginning means that we don't keep kind of um, having to go through, you know, a couple of year cycle and then start again. Yeah. We're just building on people's knowledge and then they kind of grow and develop and move within the group, if you like. That would be the ideal situation. We just keep hold of everybody that we think's great. Yeah, I mean, that, that takes me back to when we first met a few years ago. And I remember uh, reading through my notes last night again that one of the big things you told me and you really emphasized is the the innovators and the, uh, the inspirational leaders you've got within each brand. And I know that from, from when we chatted that these guys are at the forefront of their markets, aren't they, With it, whether it's Magento or Shopify or whatever the sector is. These guys are no names and, and I guess that inspires uh, the culture that you talked about. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the two more recent acquisitions with Pinpoint and Statement, uh, Dan and Lewis, they they get very involved in in that space, and other people within the business do obviously as well. And we do a lot of like talking slots and events and things like that. Um, but yeah, they're very well known in their community for doing a really good job and like a trusted advisor, if you like. Yeah. And they win business because of that, um, because they've got a really good reputation and a good name. And they're just really nice guys, you know. Like you just like to work with them and work for them. Um, and they're both really different, actually, which is which is nice. So Pinpoint and Statement actually currently share an office in Leeds. Right. Um, yeah, so that that's good. But yeah, they're very different as MDs go, but they, they both offer a lot. Um, and those businesses are great because in the time that they've been in the group, they've doubled in size in terms of employees. Wow. 
So we've had quite a lot of work with those guys to, you know, find out what they need and the right people and how we grow those businesses. And they're both really successful. So it's really nice to see how they're developing and growing and hitting targets. And even throughout COVID, those two agencies are ahead of their targets, which is brilliant still recruiting in fact they've got the most recruitment at the moment definitely i mean moving it on specifically to recruitment and the recruitment part of your job i mean you've been sat where you are for the last 12 years how, how has it changed how has how you recruit changed how has the market changed i guess specifically in yorkshire in, in most of your um, companies' cases but how, how would you sort of review the, the recruitment sector in the last 12 years and, and how your role has, has changed so Coming back to the birth of my children, it was only really when Louis, when I'd had Louis that I came back and really took more on this particular role. Wow. So, so he's nearly four. So I would say that in terms of my concentrated efforts on recruitment, it's about four years right. that we've um, we've had more of a dedicated resource. Before then, it was kind of handled a bit with HR and a bit with me. I used to look after a lot of our sales stuff. Um, it was only when we really started to grow as a business that we needed more recruitment support. And it, and it has changed considerably in the last three and a half years in terms of what we do and how we do it. Um, I mean, when I first started, we did rely a lot more on agencies. And hey. I know, I know. And in our industry, our name has got a lot bigger. So we get, we get a lot more recognition in things like Prolific North because of our results are really good. So we get a lot more visibility in that respect. And yeah, over the years, our name has, you know, has become stronger and because it's got that strong reputation now, we get a lot more people that come to us looking for roles and not just us looking, you know, outwardly. Um, we do still work with recruiters hey. and we will always do that, yeah. So that's, that's important part of the way that we would recruit because, you know, there are certain industries and certain niches that you can support fully just within your own network or putting a job advert out there. It's just not, it's not something that you can kind of do on your own and you need to be able to kind of cast your net a little bit wider and rely on other people and other partners to support you with that. We don't work with lots of agencies just because we'd rather work with a smaller group um, and have maybe a couple of agencies in each niche and then work that way and work with them for a longer period of time. I mean, how long have we worked with you now? It's quite a while. Just two years. Um, yeah, years. Feels like that. Quite a few years now, quite a few years. I, I mean, one of the things that, that I always marvel at without giving you too much lip service is obviously you're, you're a mother to two and you're managing the recruitment across all brands, across all locations. How, how, how do you possibly handle that across all these multiple locations, uh, multiple roles, multiple sectors, whether I know you, you get involved with marketing and sales and IT and, and all the rest of it. How, how can you coordinate that? I mean, you don't have a huge talent acquisition team, do you, per se? Well, we have a bigger talent acquisition team than most agencies like what we do, because there's myself and there's Emma, but, um, I think the way that we do it, it comes down to trust really. So, because I know these individuals really well and I know what they look for. So I make sure that before we start any piece of recruitment, we really understand what it is that they're looking to achieve because quite often, you know, they'll give you a brief, they'll give you a job, but that isn't maybe quite what they want. 
So you have to understand exactly what you, what they want before you, you kind of go off and find somebody. And I think it's just about being honest and having that kind of trust with the manager. So we have um, we have a lot of trust, and I think that's a, a huge thing. If an agency tried to speak to one of like the hiring managers within any area of the business, they will just turn around and say, no, we don't deal with that. Taryn deals with it. And they'll literally just, they won't have that conversation. So everything comes via myself and Emma. And that means it's very easy to control because there aren't, then we don't have these other conversations going off in other different parts of the business that we're not aware of. If there's any recruitment going on within our business, we're fully aware of it and we're managing that process from start to finish. If we have a role internally that we're gonna potentially fill with an internal person, we also manage that as well. So we're fully aware of what's going on across the business at any one time in terms of our recruitment requirements. Um, I don't find it particularly challenging just because I think I've been here for so long yeah. that a lot of it is kind of second nature and you know what it is that they're looking for and you know the kind of personalities that are going to fit well within the team. Um, and I think you just have to cut down that noise because whenever you have a job out there and you, you, know, you go out to find different uh, candidates a good example is I've got one at the moment and it's more of a junior role it's like a di digital marketing executive I've had over a hundred applicants for that you know it's a lot and you've got that administration to do and you've just got to be really cutthroat with it and over the years when you've been doing this job for a long time there's certain things that you're looking for so you're looking for CVs that have got some kind of stability on there and um, and a well-written CV you know <laughs> There's a lot that are quite poor in terms of the, the content on there and you just get a general feel for whether or not this person could be a good fit for your business because of some of the things that they might have put on there. It could be their education. And education's quite a funny one actually because some people don't do very well at, in their degree, but they do really well at the GCSEs and their A-levels. So we wouldn't overlook that. And it's, it's kind of looking at every opportunity that we have and identifying the right kind of fit for the role. Uh, but we do that collaboratively with the hiring managers as well. So it's not just, um, it's not just an our say so, but most of the time, you know, the CVs will come through us and then we'll get, um, We'll get their their take on it uh, but it depends on the role yeah you took the word right out of my mouth one of the things we always when we talk to clients is about the collaboration from our contact people like yourself and the hiring managers because if the hiring managers buy into the recruitment process and I, we get that it's not their job is it it's it's often not the job of a development manager or project manager or sales manager to recruit he's got his or he or she have got got their own job um, but if they're fully on board and are as sort of passionate and enthusiastic to fill a role as you are, and then by extension, if you come to people like myself as we are, it makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Especially when you're assessing the CVs, like you say, and, and what they're looking for, and, and you kind of understand that. Yeah, and I think that, that point that you said about it's not their job, and they, they quite often don't have the time, or they feel a little bit uncomfortable, and you have to just educate them as well in terms of what's out there on the market, what's realistic, what's not. Um, 
you know, you have different managers that have different ideas on certain things. So they'll come to you with a particular requirement, like, oh yeah, we can, we can fill that, can't we? We can get somebody, you know, for like 25,000 and you're like, no, no. <laughs> you know, you're completely out there and you're not going to get that many CVs for this role. In fact, this role is going to be really difficult to fill and you need to be looking up to this kind of salary bracket. And we have these conversations, Harry. We yeah. have conversations. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Um, and you also well, would you know, try and give them a realistic time frame as well because quite often they'll think, oh, so we can fill this, you know, within a month. And you're like, well, no, this is a three to six month fill. Yeah. And it's only because you've done it for so long and you've you've got that understanding of the market that you can be quite confident in saying, well, you know, you could be really lucky and we could find someone next week, but realistically, there's not as many people out there with those skill sets and it's going to take you longer to find that right person. Definitely. Um, so it's just giving them the understanding of what it is that they're looking for and how many people realistically could apply for it or the types of businesses that these people could come from. Um, yeah. I mean yeah, I mean, look, looking at the relationship that a client like yourself has with recruitment agencies, um, this is this is your time to, to, to trash the recruitment sector. Um, <laughs> do you see recruiters as a kind of necessary evil or potentially a, a valuable partner? I'd be interested to sort of get your views on recruitment agencies that you deal with, probably some that you have and don't anymore, the approaches you get, what advice you give for recruitment agencies at the moment, um, and... and, and like I say, yeah, your, your views on that, that side of it. I mean, you, I know you were on our side of the fence for a couple of years, quite a few years ago now, but from what you see sat in your position, what are your thoughts on recruitment agencies in general and, and the, that market? Um, I wouldn't use the term necessary evil. Because I, I think, you know, within that particular industry, I work with those people. They're an extension of what we do. And if they don't represent us in the right way, then, you know, we're kind of losing a little bit. Um, I think that you should work really well with your recruitment companies and they should be a partner, an extension of what you're doing. And I've spent quite a bit of time trying to make sure that we've got good relationships with our agencies. And sometimes, you know, that will, you know, it can be a little bit of a painful process because I'm I'm known for testing people and just making sure that, you know, they are who they say they are or they're going to do what they say they're going to do. And I think that that's where some recruitment agencies fall down because they give a lot of promises and they don't, they don't fulfill what they say that they're going to do. Yeah. And when you let down somebody like myself a number of, on a number of occasions, that's going to make me look bad to other people that I'm working with internally within my business. And I don't want that to happen and I don't want to let them down. So you're looking for a partner that's not going to let you down or they're going to have good communication because ultimately we're going to deal with candidates that do let us down yeah. and we have to have those awkward conversations, you know, when all of a sudden this person's gone off the market, but the more information that you have from us and the more communication we have, generally that makes the process far better. So if we don't communicate effectively to you, you're not going to be able to sell the job effectively and you're not going to be able to give the candidate the right information. Definitely. And so we're not setting up the process, I don't believe, to succeed. And you know, it's all about having as much information as possible so that you can make a, an informed decision on something that's really important because getting a job for us 
with us should be two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight year investment of your time. It's huge. You know, you have to make sure that those things line up and you're getting it right. So I think recruitment agencies do have a really important part to play when it comes to hiring staff. Um, I think it's very difficult for young recruiters to get given a chance. So they're almost kind of, their only way in, I think, is to work with a more senior person who's got those relationships and then build those relationships themselves. I think working a very cold desk for a junior recruiter, gosh, that, that's an awful, awful job to try and, you know, break into. But if you are quite, you know, steely and determined, you know, you, you, you can get a good career in recruitment and it's very people centric. So. I think it's I think it's a good industry, but you have to be committed to doing it, and you have to enjoy dealing with people for it for it to really work out. Um, but yeah, finance is another area that we need recruiters for because the candidates naturally would go to a recruiter; they wouldn't come directly to a business. And so you've got to understand candidate behaviour and the way that they would navigate the job market. So developers. They're naturally risky, you know, they're risk averse. They, they don't like to go out there and make those contacts themselves and they might find going through an agency easier. Finance is exactly the same. Do you use them for sales, marketing, that sort of areas, those areas? We do, we do um, use them for sales in London. We use them for sales in London and the recruiter that we use for sales in London actually used to work for us. So we have a really good relationship with him and he knows us inside and out. So he's an extension again of our team and yeah. he, he knows the kind of people that we like and so it makes it far easier and we really trust him so yes we do use uh, recruiters for sales we have a couple of roles on at the moment but they're based up here and because of the market's pretty good i'm just doing them myself direct at the moment so it, it depends on when we need marketing we wouldn't need to use a recruiter for a marketing role um we've had some language roles on at the moment and again we've managed to do a lot of that direct but we had a niche one which was a japanese speaker that we used to recruit for um so it's about having the right people around you when you need to call on them and they'll know that we'll work with them really well when we need to call on them and it's about having that kind of understanding and that relationship because we do try and fill the majority of our roles internally and that's why we have an internal recruitment team but um, there is still always going to be a place for recruitment partners because they're going to they're going to give us access to people that we don't always have access to from our databases, from our reach. And ultimately, for us, it's better that we get the right person into the job rather than just like, oh well, we've got some candidates here; they're direct. Well, we have to take someone from that group yeah. if we don't believe they're good enough for that position, or we don't believe they're going to be the right person. We would use a recruiter to do that. Um, Going back to something you said slightly earlier, um, that you mentioned how um, you have a lot of communication, and we do, obviously, myself and yourself, and I think you are one of our most challenging clients, which um, is a bad rap. It's often because clients let recruitment agencies get away with, with things. So, you know, you challenge us, you know, we have to work a certain way with you guys. And, I, I always call it earn our fee, you know, without, <laughs> yeah. without firebombing my own industry, you know, recruitment's not a cheap process if you go to an external recruiter. Some would say it's far too expensive anyway, but earn, make us earn our fee. So I think 
challenge with Kubernetes is that's where a lot of them fall down or can fall down is, you know, it's not a CV sending mission. And, and you've rejected some of my CVs that I was certain you wouldn't. But by placing that emphasis on the recruiter to actually provide a service and become an extension of the brand and act professionally and work efficiently um, and work in a way you would if you were doing them and had the time to do it, you actually work with good recruiters. Far too often, clients just accept the first CV they get, no matter whether they've been qualified or whatever, and they encourage bad practice and malpractice within the industry. But you know, it has its downsides sometimes with you. But most of the time, we know that what we're looking for. We know that you know you're you're working with us. I have one of my really twee phrases that I use over the years is we want to work with people as opposed to for. Um, and that's definitely one of the things that you guys do. You challenge us and you push us, and we know that. Um, the reward is there because you guys are as keen to fill them as, as we are. Yeah, and I think that it comes back to that kind of trust because we will give you all the information and if we don't find that somebody's, you know, if they've not had a great interview with us, we'll give you the feedback as to why we're not progressing with them. We won't just leave you, oh, well, yeah, we've, we've met that person and yeah, they weren't right. We would give you the full feedback as to why they weren't right. Um, and that way you get like you can build up an idea of the type of people that we like um and yeah we do have occasionally that you know the odd one that slips through and we're like oh gosh <laughs> but you know it's at the end of the day with what we do we are enabling people to support what they want to do with their career and if they don't prepare or they're not ready or they don't get to an interview on time, ultimately we can do all we can at our side, but a candidate has to take a certain amount of responsibility for their part in the process. Um, if you, you will know this about me, if people don't do any research on our business, that's that's huge for us. It's like, well, you, you know, you've taken your time out, you, You've got, you've got dressed in the morning for your interview, you've made your way to our offices, which sometimes we'll ask you to come from Manchester to Leeds or, you know, it might be a bit of a, a bit of a distance. You've made all that investment and you've kind of got into an interview with two people whose time can be quite precious at points. And then you've done no research on the business. It's kind of, it's a massive no-no and it's the thing that quite often lets people down that they just don't do the research on the business that they're recruiting that they're coming to interview for um and i have so many things when it comes to good interview I know, <laughs> good interview I know. Um, um uh how you would interview in, in within a business because you you are looking for somebody that you can trust and that you feel will be a good part of the team and would support you know what we're looking to do overall it's not just a case of we have a job to do and you've got those specific requirements you know you've got those things on your cv if you're not the right person for us we still wouldn't offer you the job because it's too detrimental to the business to the team to the other people around you you know you need to fit in with what we're trying to achieve and what we're looking to achieve in the next few years as a business and buy into what we're doing if, if you don't have that then it's very unlikely that you would get a job with us so obviously business is booming acquisitions are being made recruitment's going well both internally and, and going out to agencies within all these areas of the business and then mid-march bosh pandemic covid19 world gets turned upside down how have 
you as an individual and you as a business adjusted to that, work with it. And especially as a, as a digital agency, and I mentioned that because um, we work with quite a few, yourself included, obviously. And speaking to a few digital agencies, they were concerned, should I say, in March, because they're so project-based, their business is so project-based, they're so client-based, they're at the, much like ourselves, I suppose, in recruitment, they're at the, the mercy of their clients as to whether their clients are going to continue investing in, in the same way they have previously. How have you guys sort of managed it from a, a, a personnel point of view in terms of carrying on working? Obviously successfully, you mentioned that you, you're still um, hitting targets, etc. Um, but also as a business to, to, to keep the ship, ship in the right direction. Um, well, we've had really good communication. So our HR team have been brilliant. And they've really supported everything that we've been doing and communicating with all the staff and making sure that people are okay because yeah, it was a big thing. And we did continue business as usual for the majority of our staff and a lot of them were working from home. And that was a shift that we quickly managed. And I think that we did really well. So making sure people had the right kit at home, you know, do they have an extra screen if they need it? That kind of thing. We made sure that they were in the right environment and they weren't, they weren't able to work. Um, yeah, the, the web division, so the retail side, the web division, pinpoint statement, they've done really, really, they've been fine, really. Um, and other areas of the business have been affected and that's mainly due to their clients and the industries that they might have been in. So in the search division, we did have a lot of clients who were in the travel industry, for instance, instance. So they might needed to pause their accounts and things like that. So we have had to do some kind of uh, pivoting, if you like. And we, um, we did have certain parts of the business that we kind of shrunk a little bit to begin with whilst we worked out what we were doing in terms of these clients and them coming back and they came back a lot quicker than we expected actually um and in terms of recruitment it wasn't the right time for us to recruit when all of it all of it happened because i don't believe that when covid really hit people were in the right mind space to be thinking about what they were doing with their career and their job because there were so many other things going on externally and I mean there are going to be really awful instances where people got made redundant and, I, and then we did see it a little bit initially where all of a sudden there was a bit of a panic and people did get made redundant and then actually a lot of those businesses rehired those those staff and put them on furlough um, so it was a bit of an initial panic and we looked at what we needed and we just felt like we just needed to kind of batten down the hatches, carry on and, and get on with work as normal, but it wasn't the right time to recruit. Um, because like I say, people weren't in the right frame of mind and we weren't quite sure what was gonna go up, what was gonna happen. So we stopped recruiting for a number of months. And for me personally, that was something that they discussed with me and asked me what my, thought, what my thoughts were on it. Um, and as you've mentioned previously, I do have two little boys and, you know, they, they were off school and, and I'm at home on my own. So for me, being at home with my children was going to be the best thing ideally for me in that situation. But if I'd have needed to work and they needed me to work, I would have done. So it was a decision that we made jointly and um, I went on furlough for a couple of months. But as soon as our requirements started to come through, 
and you know the world opened up again and you could get a bit of childcare from your parents even because you couldn't even do that for a period of time and um, then that allowed me to kind of come back to work and start looking for people again um, and we kind of kicked recruitment back off about five weeks ago now and it's been really busy so as soon as we felt that it was the right time to start these things again we did we've put very very few staff on furlough for the majority of our business i want to say 95 percent it carried on as normal um and you know we're very lucky that we're in that position and um we've got great clients and we've got a lot of stability so you know we we do feel very lucky that we're in the position that we're in um but you could say that you know we have made some wise decisions in the past and we do make sure that all the clients that we bring on board are, are good clients and we've got that communication with them and we we understand what they're looking for in the campaigns and that there's some security there so a lot of our work is very secure in terms of we understand what our client needs and you know they've they've got a long enough contract with us for us to really support them so it's not we're not working on short time frames quite often they are longer projects do, do you think that i mean one of the one of the few plus points of the pandemic is i've spoken to quite a few companies quite a few clients who have almost fallen into a new way of working and realized it works uh, or realized it can work yeah. whether it be home working or um slightly more flexibility for for staff is that the case at IDHL? Do you think that moving forward, yeah. you'll work in a different way? Definitely. And I think that being, you know, almost forced to work from home has been very positive for a number of things. I mean, we were doing a lot of traveling to see clients and, you know, I think we will, we will go back and see clients, but maybe not as regularly as we were doing. And so it's all about um, utilization of energy, isn't it, as well, because um, this is something I was talking to Dennis, our CEO, about, and it is that whole, if you've got an account manager and they're looking after a client and they're going down to London, you know, they could be getting on the early train to London, so actually they're having to get up really early to get on the train to London and then they don't have very good Wi-Fi on the, on the train, so the work that they were hoping to achieve to get done, or they can't even get a seat. You know they lose that bit of time traveling then they get to the client they might have a one two hour meeting and then they're you know coming back and they use a lot of energy for that couple of hour meeting where we're having those meetings now and we're doing it just via via teams and what have you and it's working really well and that person who's having to do all that traveling isn't getting burnt out you know yeah. so that's been really positive um and think that it can make you more efficient as well so if you're working well from home it can definitely show efficiencies and I think we're definitely going to change the way that we work moving forward it's not going to be the same we're not all going to be in the office five days a week and it is going to give flexibility to people and it's going to give them a bit more of a work-life balance that maybe they didn't have before um, but then for other people it hasn't suited them and it's really important to stress that as well so for some people they don't want to be at home five days a week. It's not good for their mental health. And, you know, they want to be back in that office environment. So we are working on ways of getting people back into the office, even if it is, you know, staggered and we don't have as many people in at the same time, because for certain individuals, they need to be in the office environment because it's very much part of, you know, socially as well, 
where they where they see people. So um, I think work and office environments offer a lot more than what maybe people realise they did before. And also working from home offers a lot as well. So it's finding that fine balance. And I think that it's gonna be a little bit fluid because some people will wanna work from home a bit more and less in the office. And some people wanna work more in the office and less from home. Yeah. I'm definitely that person. So even though I do have a home office and I'm all set up, um, and you know, realistically around my children, it would be far better for me to work from home, but it doesn't really, that's not very fulfilling for me. I like to be around the people that I'm working with and taking on board, you know, the kind of culture within the offices and seeing how people are interacting because that ultimately feeds into how we recruit for those businesses. So when you're not in that environment, it's not as easy. The one office I don't recruit for as much is London, and I don't go down there very often. Yeah. Um, but we don't recruit for them as often either. And it is, it definitely is more, it is difficult to recruit for an office that you're not visiting on a regular basis because they have different, they just have a different vibe. Yeah. And you don't know that unless you're in that environment. So I think there's, there's a place for every kind of, different scenario and it's just how we work that out moving forward to make sure that we support the needs of the business effectively and well and have that communication but also have that you know that team mentality and that people feel like they're part of something because we have hired people through this pandemic and they have joined us and people that we recruited before that then joined us and they've never been into our office you know, so it's very important that they feel like they are part of the team and they are included. And we do support um, like a lot of team events that we had previously, like just going out for drinks together, having meals together, that kind of thing to, to make sure that we are doing those, those bonding exercises, if you like. And it's very difficult to do those when you're not at home. Um, I mean, so. what we've seen, and, and you'll probably, I know you've been recruiting uh, internally there is, People used to ask us a lot, is there homeworking? And now it's changed to, is there flexibility? And that's a really succinct difference because for every person we speak to now who loves the fact that they can work from home, does the other side of the fence, and I think I'm probably in this, where I'm crawling up the walls at home. I can't wait to get back into the office. We start back next week on, on the third, and, and I can't wait to get back in the office or at least have the option to do both. And I think that, like you say, and mental mental health and, and mental health awareness is huge at the moment. It's it's as companies being able to cater for people who thrive in office environments, home environments, and and, and maximise maximise what works for them, isn't it? Yeah, and it's really interesting because we've had this conversation about flexible working. We've had it a number of times over the years, and I remember we have a. We have a meeting called Harrogate Open Talk and we were discussing flexible working. And I want to say it was about a year ago and it came around to me and they were like, well, what do you think about flexible working? I was like, well, do you know what? I think that what flexible working is to one person is completely different to another person, to another person. So you have quite a difficult thing to get your head around because everybody has different requirements when it comes to flexible working and there is no one size fits all. And so it becomes quite a complex thing to address, especially when you've got like nearly 250 staff. How do we do that? You know, logistically, it's a bit of a nightmare and we're gonna have to figure that out. 
But when we do figure it out, I think it's going to be for the greater good of all of the employees and people will feel like it has been considered properly and we now understand how we work from home and how we do it effectively. Yeah. Those if buts and whens which we used to have, we don't have as we don't have those anymore. We can see how we can move forward with it. And so in that respect it's been really positive. Yeah, and especially as a business like yours when um, if business is, is going well and you're thriving, it, it very much becomes a if it's not broke we don't need to fix it kind of thing and i think for a lot of businesses this has forced people's hands hasn't it they've been backed into a corner where they've had to sort of go okay get people working from home and they've seen it works you guys have, have, have clearly seen that it can work and that, that the businesses businesses can thrive yeah and i think we've been we've been considering it for a, a while we've, we've been trying to work on a solution of how we could see it working yeah. for a while because we knew it was important and we knew that it was only a matter of time before we needed to introduce it and um, and we wanted to do it it was just it was a bit of a headache and it was how do we do it in the right way yeah. um, and from a recruitment perspective you hear it all the time yeah. you know you don't want to miss out on a really good um, potential employee because you don't offer that flexibility that they're looking for but I would say when it comes to that, you know, I, I do sometimes have my reservations where we're talking to an individual and they have this huge list of expectations from an employer and they're not willing to compromise. So they want everything to the letter on what they want. And there is no give and take. And that's something that I struggle to get my head around because I think that it should be, I think it should be beneficial to both sides. You know, it, it can't just all be weighed on the employee's um, requirements. It would be great, it would be nice, but it has to be a two-way street. You yeah. know, there has to be give and take. And what you do find for an employee that might have asked for a little bit, they get given a little bit more than what they were hoping for. And they just feel really grateful that they've been given that opportunity and that flexibility. And then they work, you know, harder I guess or they're just more appreciative of the opportunity because it has been met you know um, part way. So as we fingers crossed as we hopefully are coming out of the other end of this pandemic how what's the next three months six months 12 months looking like at IDHL continue to thrive? Yeah I think so yeah we've um, we've had a client that's been with us for a long time that's just changing their contract so been doing a lot of work with some languages um, candidates so we've been, been busy hiring those and we've been busy hiring looking at um, lead generators so business development executives to support you know the pipelines coming into the businesses so those are roles that we've currently got on um, yeah it's not as busy as it was maybe a year ago but we went through a really big period of growth last year and it was always going to be a little bit um, I don't want to use the word quieter, but it's just building on what we've already built yeah. from this year in a really kind of like steady, considered way. So, and you're recruiting um, now, and all the jobs are on the website. Yes, yeah, they are. Um, yeah, they're on the they're on the website. So we're looking for, like I say, business development people. We've just we've offered we've found the language people that we needed. Um, and yeah, we've got a couple of finance roles. Listen, you've been an absolute star. Thank you. I've got one last very important question to ask, okay? Go on. 
this is the most important one of the lot, okay? You're backed into a corner, and I'm gonna keep a tab of what everyone chooses here. What do you think you would rather fight? 20 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? And I want you to think. I think <laughs> duck-sized horses. 20 duck-sized horses, I want to know why. You can't just fob me off with, why would you fight 20 duck-sized horses? See, this isn't good enough, is it? Well, I was thinking tactically that like, it doesn't, um, my aunt has a horse and it's massive. And I, and I find that, the 20 small things here yeah. just feels better than one gigantic thing. Um, because you know, if you have a lot of small things, you can tackle them one by one, whereas one very large thing is, is a different thing. To, to handle. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that I could cope with a lot more smaller things um, based on the fact that I have two small children and I bat them out of the way on a regular regular basis, you know. I love the fact you've given me an answer and justified it with a tactical way to take on 20 duck-sized horses. And this is, this, this is how I'm going to promote the video now, because I'm going to get, make people stay to the end just to find out the answer to that question. So thank you. Oh, okay. okay. Although I think, um, yeah, I've just got this mental image now of 20 duck-sized horses. Ask your children, everyone gives a different answer. Imagine what, a answer? Duck. what was your answer? I, I, I'm the question master, I, I don't give answers. You, you, can, you should answer your own question. I would probably go 